let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pinner Gas Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri. The J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery, oh so good. Friend of the podcast and panelist, Lane Bolin, managing to keep the podcast going. Apparently, wealthy or not. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's not getting it, getting it. I want to welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Be sure to tell a friend, and welcome to the party. I'm your host and panel moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. First, we have uh, Brian Massey. He is a data analyst at DST Systems. We have got uh, Big Dave, that is uh, Dave Elliott, owner of CMP Construction. We've got Sean Simmons. You know, I had you down as an account manager. What is actually your title? My actual title is uh, uh, more like corporate trainer. Corporate trainer. Yeah. So we want to make we want to make sure that we are being accurate yeah. here on the podcast. Um, he's a corporate trainer for Taylor Farms, and of course, our resident fruit and veggies man, uh, Chris O'Connor. <laughs> He is a co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media and the anonymous female. Because she <coughs> doesn't want you to know her name. Uh, she is the right hand of the podcast, and we are thankful that we do get at least one woman to sit in amongst us heathen men and keep us on the line. So uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, as every week, there's so much going on in the world, and so I want to just jump right in with some stories. I want to see if anybody's heard anything about these um, at home I have not uh, prepped anybody on what stories we're going to be talking about uh, other than to say uh, that we are definitely going to discuss uh, the Republican National Convention because uh, that of course was big enough and noteworthy enough uh, to be talking about and probably we're going to spend most of the podcast talking about that. But I do want to mention just some other stories that I saw in the news that were uh, upsetting, to say the least. Um, we had another uh, mass shooting uh, in Florida. Uh, two dead, 16 injured in uh, Fort Myers at a teen club. Uh, so these were uh, literal teenagers. One guy, I think it was... 13 and 14 yeah, year olds. That... That and, and it's just, it's just uh, amazingly disheartening that uh, to, to the the, uh, the de-evolution. <laughs> it's a breakdown of society. Yeah, it, we've it, lost it, our moral compass in some ways. It's yeah, it, not in some ways. It's in a lot of ways. It, in a lot of ways, and you know, the idea of like conflict resolution or or even uh, how to cope with you know the things that are going on in the world you know I, I'm not 100% sure that that kind of thing is being taught anymore it's 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 um, it's like I say it's scary how to use your words yeah yeah I mean <laughs> you, you hit the point there it hasn't been taught yeah uh, wait before before we go on with the subject I have to say because we just got a surprise here in the Law Party Podcast Studios, uh, Roy Scott, uh, co-creator of uh, H3, that is Healthy Hip Hop, came to join us. 
Uh, he's gonna sit in on the panel. What's up, Roy? What's going on, homie? Sorry, about, about sorry for the party. That's all right. That's all right. Been a few weeks. Hey, like that, like yeah. that. Keep it with the party thing. Talking to the party. So we're going. To, we just started uh, talking about the news of the day, and the first thing we brought up was the nightclub shooting uh, in the teen club in Fort Myers. Um, yeah, your thoughts on, on 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 that before we go around the rest of the table? Uh, I think it's very unfortunate and uh, just ignorance. So I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is ignorance uh, that somebody could be that, you know, um, that inhumane to take a life, take lives like that. So ignorance is the first thing that comes to mind and sympathy for those families. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It looked like you were ready to jump in before. Uh, and Roy it, came. it's not a teen club; it was teen night. True. At, true. The, at the club. At that club. Yeah, I'm just not a believer that the world's worse now than it ever was, and yeah, yeah. I just think that's such rose-colored glasses to think of that. If you look at the history of this country, it's been abysmal in terms of how violent we are. Maybe there's more reporting of it now just because there's more access to information, etc. But I am not one of those people who looks back and goes, "Ah, oh, man, America used to be great, and now we're sucking it up. It's been kind of good and kind of shitty the entire time, to be perfectly honest. You know, I don't think we're any more violent today than we were. I think you just hear about it a lot more. So, so, so you don't think that uh, that we need to make America great? I do not feel this is... <laughs> I, I feel like we've always been great. And yeah. I feel like we always have had our warts, you know? And so, uh, uh, again, I mean, my God, what did we enslave people essentially for 300 years? You know, I mean, that wasn't too cool. We have a horrific history of violence there. And then you had, you know, 70s and 80s weren't all that non-violent. You had a little bit of a drop off in the '90s, and you know, now you're seeing probably a little bit of a comeback. Or maybe well, yeah, you're just I mean, about when we were growing up, there were two or three really big riots in this country. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There were. We've always had discord. I think yeah. the unfortunate thing about that, and it's what you know, Mayor James has done a good job here at trying to give teenagers a place to go in the summertime to have fun with themselves. A safe place. My understanding, what I picked up from this today, was that this was supposed to be a team party, a safe place for them to get. Their parents were coming to get them, mm -hmm. and this was gang related. And when you got 14, 15, 16 year olds with guns that have to prove themselves, this is what you end up with. And once again, it's a loss of a moral compass. Did they have anybody to tell them, no, you don't do this? You know, well, um, that's 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 the, the hard part to deal with there, and it's hard to accept sometimes. But there's always been that in one form or another. It's just that we used to square off in fisticuff. Mm -hmm. You might have a stabbing. I don't know about all that. But we used to. But there was always guns too. People in the South, you know. I mean, we used to. We've done horrific things. You know, I mean, go you go back hundred turn of the century. I mean, that was just good old fashioned come play in the streets. You know, especially OS when there was un uncharted territory. It's it's always been a violent country. And I think there's a more romantic notion of, well, when you had a problem, we used to just stand up and fight each other, and that, that has not always been the case. And there were school shootings when I was a kid, one right outside of Wichita in Pratt, Kansas. But I think the, I think the disheartening thing is, is we're no better off now than we were when we started this country. So at some point, when do you grow out of that? I mean, sure. we're not, you know. Well, yeah, kind of like what Jackie's talking about. It's like 
we talk about how we're progressing or mm-hmm. how we're getting better or how we're better than we used to be. And kind of to your point is there is no real progression. It's just it's kind of like a shift um, in, in a sense. So mm-hmm. like talking about, you know, like, you know, the violence, you know, um, there was a guy who did a stat on uh, mass shootings. And he said, actually, the mass shootings peaked in the 1920s. And again, going back to kind of what Chris was saying is it peaked in the 1920s because you instituted prohibition and the gangsters were fighting over land. And with the introduction to the Tommy gun, you know, I had a gun that could just spray bolts and just kill people mm-hmm. left and right. Well, they were everywhere from World War One. World War One just in and they flooded. The well, market. the thing mm-hmm. was, they never used them in World War One. Yeah. The military never bought them, but they manufactured. So they exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they just hit the market. They were cheap. They were easy, and, and it, it was literally an easy gun to use. All you did was just point, shoot, pull the trigger, and you sprayed a bunch of bullets. And again, the police weren't even using those at the time. So that's where you had that peak of, the, of, of your mass shootings and that kind of stuff. You know, going back to the, the Wild West, this guy was again talking about you know gun-related deaths, and he said, actually, everybody has this notion that there were a lot of shootings in the Wild West. He goes, there were shootings, and there were shootouts in the streets. Sure. But the idea was, everybody had a gun, and therefore, if you, you know, you were a little bit more cautious mm-hmm. about who you stepped to, because maybe you're a faster shoot, maybe he's a faster shoot, maybe you're off that day, whatever, but it was, it was a you shooting. You thought about it. But you thought about it, exactly. It. Before you actually engaged in that violence, mm-hmm. You actually thought through it first before you did it. So, you know, in, in a sense, it's I think today there's less thought through what you're going to do. Um, you know, when people just go out and do it, they just get angry and they step off and they, they go out and they do it. And then, well, they said from what I know, that, this was thought through, though, that, uh, that Orlando incident, from what I heard. Right. Well, absolutely. The guy, you know, he was... Yeah. Kind of a, well, right, it's they some are, of they are, are but they're not. Are, you know, it's yeah. like they, they let their emotions get a hold of them. They think through it, but they let their emotion hold them the whole entire time versus mm-hmm. taking a step back of it and saying, okay, what's next? After I shoot this guy or after I shoot these people, what's next? You know, because, you know, something's going to happen next. You know, for some of the guys who go out and do terror stuff, their idea is I'm going to die. And they, and they go into it wanting to die. You know, so for them, they've already thought out the what next. You know, but for some of these other guys, I think it's they go into it, especially the gangland shooting. Is it's a, it's a yeah, it's a territorial thing, but I think it's also a um, an emotional response to that territorial thing. Without thinking, okay, there's got to be another way to solve this problem other than just picking up the gun, taking proving my stance or proving my Which manhood in a does. sense, and and doing that versus being okay. The smarter guy figures a way around that. You Which know. I think is what Mario's saying. You know, you, you, there's just there's not a lot of thought or consideration or. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you know just, I was, I'm going to do this, and who cares what the consequences are? Yeah, and I definitely agree that the country has always had a violent history. Mm-hmm. You know, I I definitely don't have on my rose-colored glasses for that. I guess my thought is. You know, for the hundreds of years that this country has been around, yes, we're still a young nation in the, in the grand scheme of the other nations in the world, but uh, you would think, you know, we would be spawning a few more critical thinkers than we're... But how do we know that we're not making progress? I mean, there's a million ways to measure this. So you go, well, is it the number of incidences of violence? Is that it? Is it violence per uh, portion of your population? You know, I mean, like, what, what statistic are you going to use to say we are or are not making progress? I have no idea. 
that's a point. Well, it's, it's but they measure it now by the number of murders every year. But we well, have 300 million Americans now versus when we had 100 million But you Americans can compare that. It's, it right. is still comparable. You can come to a percentage of... So I'm saying per capita? Is that it? Is it the type of crime? I mean, what, what, Let's what is Let's talk to our data guy. Actually, interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, if you use either of those right now, it's saying that crime rate is down overall. Absolutely. Um, say that, Brian. Say that again, Brian. If you use either one of those statistics, they say that crime rate is down overall, especially for the past 15, 15 years. They were saying like. that on the news this morning, and the reporters were arguing with each other. And you may be right. right. It's case. a matter of how you want to look Because why? The, the news cycle is so boom, right there. So everything that happens gets magnified. So, you know, we may be declining, but boy, that doesn't make the news in the morning when you turn so on the report. So maybe overall violence is down. Who got killed overnight is, is the main story, right? right? If, it, if it bleeds, it leads, as they say in yeah. the news game. But <laughs> have we went from single-person shootings to now mass shootings are the thing? There have always been like, mass shootings. I think yeah, yeah, I don't think that's ever changed. We got a lot of yeah. access to it, like you said earlier, just with social media. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah, we're getting, we're getting to see the actual... I think that's we've the never, thing. We've never been able to actually see it happen. Like, we're seeing... Yeah. Folks get killed like by the police. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that happened twenty-four-seven, right? Actually, on when you can actually see it, like yeah. on here, you can just pop it up on here. Oh, We've yeah. never been able to do that, so now yeah. we're more right. You may know, and you may you may know somebody. You may anecdotally know people, but I think now, like you say, the reporting of it, right? Were you is, done with what you were saying? Right. Uh, it's just like interesting to come back a little bit to our topic with the Republican Party. Is that? The things they were talking about, they're really playing on people's feels, and they say it feels like it's more dangerous to be outside. Um, but statistics say otherwise. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, I was looking at something. Every side. This, was it this? Was it this morning when they were talking about um, the feelings? People like uh, it was saying that feel, feelings seem to be replacing facts. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, yeah, yeah, and because yeah. it's a feelings um, report, not a fact report anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah it, facts never win the day. Facts never win the day. Right. But what they're saying is the facts no longer matter when right. they're having a discussion. And I don't think they ever matter in general. Right. And I would say, again, I think they matter. how persuasive you are as a speaker. It's how yeah. that what slant you want to look at it from. Everything's a fact. Right. You know, you could be in a two-person race, and one person wins, and one person comes in second. It's like, man. You can report it as, man, I just came in second in the race, <laughs> phenomenal, yeah. which a lot of people do, or the other side says, hey, we just won the race. They're yeah. both factual statements, correct, yeah. I'm with you, yeah. but it's just a matter of how you want to put it out there. Facts, I, facts never win. Yeah, I think a, a, like a concise way of putting it is there's a difference between perception and reality, and what people perceive it to be is being played on more and more than taking people and saying, here's the reality. Here's the actual facts. Here's the reality to the situation. The reality is, like you said, shootings and, and, and death are down, but the the perception, because again, like you said, you know, mass media, you see it more. and it's not just the media. It's you know, as, as a guy with a cell phone, you now are part of the media. You can you can record that. And again, those, the bombings that happened in in uh, in Turkey and in those places is you. It was uh, it was just random people with their cell phones out. Taping it, you know, on, on their, I shouldn't even say taping it, recording it on their cell phones and then posting it. So, yeah. again, I look at it back like in the 80s when I was a kid and watching the news. Again, you didn't have a 24-hour news cycle. 
you had your regular news channel. It was on at like uh, like five thirty and ten. And again, what would they say? They'd say uh, four people shot in you know Orlando. You know, yeah, gunman. Gunman has been uh, yeah. Gun the gunman has been arrested. It was so and so. Blah blah blah. And that was it. And again, it was just a straight matter of fact statement of. Gunman was shot, and you didn't see the video of the police. You didn't see the you know the bodies in the street. You didn't have all the people running out there. It was just matter of fact. Here it is, and then you went on to the next thing. Well, and, and I and think not that's to say with that it was everything. Cold, but, yeah. I think it really is with everything because you they talk about how uh, you know kidnappings happen more. Mm -hmm. No, they don't. You just know about them quicker. Well, I think that's a problem with the 24-hour news channel mm -hmm. is that they constantly have to have things to show people. You have to fill that space. I was think, it, was I think a lot of our issues are with the news. Wait a minute, slow down. We can't hear everybody. Sorry, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say one thing about that. It, it's an equal problem to me when you had a 30-minute news window and you made editorial choices about what you were going to say and not say. Oh, and you bad. denied Americans facts forever. Because you literally had to squeeze everything into 30 minutes, and you don't want to squeeze it into 30 minutes. You know, so you had just some random dude saying, this happened? is the news we'll cover, and this is the news we want. But what happened with you hearing something and going out and researching it yourself? There was no way like, to research it back then. And so you had literally well, people controlling yes. the, the, the news spin. Well, so well, speaking, you know what, speaking, actually, then, that's, yes. a, actually that's a good place to pivot uh, to, to the next thing, uh, the uh, head of Fox News stepping down. Um, you know, of course, he's stepping out amidst allegations of, uh, of sexual, sexual harassment and all of that. But really, uh, uh, him and uh, Rupert Murdoch um, are really talking about the 24-hour news cycle. It's really kind of the architects of Ted Turner was new. Yeah, they, but this new new form of reporting where um, you're on this 24-hour cycle, and I think the one thing that didn't change, it feels like a change, which gets back to the whole feelings versus facts. It feels like a change, but it didn't in that there was a slant. That every, like every network had a slant to how they reported sure. stories. But it feels like because you're hearing 24 full hours of this slant, now I think people are actually feeling, oh, they're a conservative station. Oh, they're liberal. Because you, you're not getting, like you say, a 30, 40 second sound bite of a story. You're, you're getting full 24 hours a day now of, of, of a certain slant of reporting. Right. And so um, I just thought it was interesting when I was, uh, when I was looking at the story about about him stepping down due to the due to these allegations that you know it's interesting that the man behind the news becomes the news <laughs> you know that I thought that was but this 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 kind of see who he is though I mean obviously a bright man he's obviously came up with a plan that that was very successful and made that station number one for what it is yeah I mean for what twenty is. years he ran Fox up. So he brought it up and made it what it is, just like the guy who founded ESPN. And those guys brought it up and made ESPN what it is. So you know, it's, it's this mega thing all of a sudden. Well, and so I, he's he's an old school guy, and old school guys will flirt with the ladies. They got a little bit of an ego, especially as they get older. I flirt with the ladies as I get older. 
<laughs> I do. Because you, you want to build yourself back up a little bit. You're, you're getting older and you want somebody to think that you're okay. I don't think that has now, to do with age. Well, maybe not. But but I but I but I do think in general like to. I'm making a little bit of a point. But I do think generationally, I I know where you're going. As a matter of fact, I saw what were we watching? Doesn't matter. But the but the guy was talking about um, the era you were born in. You know, '50s guys, '60s guys, '70s guys. uh, Bill Mark. Yeah, but I think his point was was valid. You know, the era that you're born in, what. How you grew up in your household, what you saw, you know, between your mother and father, and you know how your your father or mother behaved out in the world, um, and and these guys, and you know, like Trump, getting back to the original uh, topic thing, you know, they're from an era, you know, you know, I would say they're from the Mad Men era. Well, he said he will be the last. 50s man to ever run yeah, for to hold president. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, because he's 79. Well, and he so. was talking about how people that were born and grew up in the 50s think the 60s were horrible, and the people that were born and grew up in the 60s think the 50s were horrible. Yeah, and and, and vice versa on up. Yeah, 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 and every decade feels yeah. like the decade before them was worse. So I, I, I definitely understand. I think there's something innate and men, but I do think each decade's generation uh, approaches the world a little different. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and kind of to your your point, and your point is, you know, I always look at older gentlemen, you know, and they say things to the ladies that I know if I said it, there'd be a lawsuit or I get slapped. And <laughs> it is I, kind of I, funny I, how I, you kind of put up with it differently right. from different age groups. And it is. And it's funny to see how the ladies react. And it's like, man, and I always sit there and say to myself, I can't wait till I can be old and a dirty old man. Because right now, as a young guy, I, you just can't get away with I it. A little right? bit, though, because what we do is we like—I like to compliment the lady. Right. I want to tell a lady I find her attractive, or I find her pretty, or I find right. she has a good personality. Yeah. You know, I like yeah. to sit down and have a drink with her and talk to her. My grandfather married for, to his to grandma for fifty-some years. That was a smooth ladies' man. I mean, he'd get the girls out on the ever, dance floor and dance with That doesn't go away just because you get married. <laughs> right. It doesn't go away. That's my point. I don't think that's And there's nothing wrong discussing. with being that as long as you stay true to your spouse. Well, you're saying, I, 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 I don't think that's the issue that we're even remotely talking about. I, I, everybody gets that, and I think everybody is okay with that to some degree. I mean, of course, in a bar, I'm going to go up and hit on everybody that I can think of. Like, <laughs> but... Uh, I think the issue is when you're in a workplace. Yes. And everybody knows better than to do it in the workplace. That's workspace. Well, it's this is worse where the problems are when you're right. in a position right. of power. Absolutely. Right. If you're Roger whether, Ross, no whether male or female, when you're in the position of power, that should never even right. happen. No, but I, yeah. they all know better. Well, and no, and she came out right. and said this happened, and they blasted her, and now they're saying, if this happened to you, come forward and tell us. So, yeah, there started to be other women right. in the network. Well, and again, you know, kind of like I was saying is, even in the workplace, I would see you guys say stuff that, and again, I, again, I think it comes back to what area you were born in. Like, I was born and raised in the area where you don't say those kind of things. Like, even to the point where you almost don't even tell a lady she's attractive when you're at work, because that can be considered sexual harassment. And you're, you're constantly drilled that in a workplace, like, especially in a corporate no. office like I have, you actually have to take training 
and you have to do it every two years, and you have to do it online, and it's always like, is this inappropriate? And if you get it wrong, you got to go back and retake it until you get it right, and then you got to submit it to HR. Whereas I think those guys back in the day telling a lady she's attractive, that was actually good manners. That was actually being polite. That was actually it being was. kind. It was. I mean, it. 50-50. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Wait, hold on. What did you say, Chris? I'm not saying, like, hey, nice breasts. I'm just saying, say, I'm not going to say that there's a good breast. But you know what? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, what'd you say, Chris? There's not that said, many good-hearted dudes running around not hitting on women in the office. Well, no, I, I understand. I understand. Let's, I understand. Let's be honest. Well, I understand. But your the, compliments are few and far between. But yeah. the sad thing is it also depends on the perception of who you're saying it to. True. So, you know, I'm, kinda, also I'm kind of a touchy-feely person in the way that when I'm talking to you, I'll come, or I'll, t- that can be perceived as sexual harassment. Just by me touching you. Right. So, oh, yeah. So you know it doesn't matter how I did it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Just so you know, out there in podcast land, she just sexually harassed me. She put her hands all over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I feel violated. It's a big just, shoulder. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. <laughs> Remember that. Just Wait a second, no. podcast land. <laughs> Mario does not feel violated. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> he feels very happy. <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> you worried for the same road? Um, I was going to say, and also with, you know, the touchy-feely, some men take that or women take that as like you're kind of coming on to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, like, it hey, really yeah, is. Like, you have to know the people that you're around and know the boundaries. Yeah, I remember working retail uh, once, and uh, I was, by, we were behind the, the cash wrap, and uh, the girl, she was against the counter I needed to come behind her so I was coming behind her and I just touched her back letting her know I'm behind you so she wouldn't back up and she freaked out you were in the the, the friend zone, zone. <laughs> yeah 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 friend yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was fully in the neutral zone <laughs> upper part of back but she freaked out and and it was Christmas time it was like store full of customers don't you touch me. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm That's just... other issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. going to say, as a female, there's some other bullshit issues going on. With no, her. and I'm sure that it was, but I, but it it also, it also always made me cautious right. of, like you said, just of knowing people a little bit better before I did or said anything. Because I'm a generally friendly person, so I, I, don't, I don't want it to get misconstrued and I've definitely had some situations be misconstrued over the years. Yeah. Not necessarily even in the workplace, just you know, just knowing people and then you do or say something and all of a sudden you got a stalker at the front door and you're oh. like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I find I'm just little... glad I'm getting old. That's I still think this is a work related issue. I, if I had to choose between would I rather, and again, most rules in corporate America are made for the least common denominator. You do them to avoid a problem, yes. not because you don't have a problem yet. Right. So, uh, in my mind, if I had to choose between having a workplace where people were a little overly sensitive and watched their P's and Q's a little more versus, you know, just letting it all hang out and doing their thing, well, I'd rather them be a little more responsible. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I also find it exception degrading to women. Like, who had to work exceptionally hard to make it in the workplace and generally work as hard if not harder than most men I know for less money well, uh, and don't get into the positions of advancement. Yes. It's very difficult and you want to be taken seriously. 
and then to have some old dude come along and rub your back and tell you you're looking good. How come it's never like, no, you're really smart, great report. It's very, yeah. very it's more like, yeah, actually, really we were good watching, uh, I was going to say that, we Ballers. Were, yeah, watching last Ballers night. last night. And, uh, and the, reporter. And the, yeah, reporter. Um, she, she's sitting down talking to her boss about a guy who got hired after her who's getting paid like 20 grand more than she is. But the, that she's basically having to train along, and all he can say, all he can say was, "Oh, legs, calm down." You know, like what happened to your sense of humor? I would throw it out as the classic. This is this is all the proof that I need. I don't know very many guys who walk into an office and tell another guy, "You look really good today. You're killing it, man. You look awesome." You know, yeah, like that oh, yeah, that is a very few. It's not right? happening. Very you know? few. So that to me is a clear dividing line. I'm like, God. Yeah, if you would, yeah, I guess, yeah. If you, you know, you're not, you're being disingenuous. So remember uh, out there in podcast lane, if you wouldn't say it to your homeboy at work, don't say it to your home girl at work. It's probably the best rule of thumb we can get. Well, from. there's nothing wrong with complimenting people. So let's say it to their homeboy. You can. Yeah. <laughs> you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe girls do it. You know. Yeah, I think women I see, may do it more than... If I see a, a co-worker that's a guy, and I'm like, you look really nice today, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, but, but and I yeah. wouldn't, you know... I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I, I have always been in the habit of, oh, you got your hair cut, or, oh, you know, oh, that's nice, you know, but, but I also goes back to that one day which the girl freaked completely it, it is, out on me. It is hard. To, yeah. I mean, because... You'd be traumatized. They could, they could go to HR and say, she's harassing me. Yeah. And, and you know, there's nothing I could do. Uh, being somebody who works at the same company as her, uh, do you think that she's a harasser? We need to know these things. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> For the record. For the record. The anonymous female is not. We'll go off record after podcast. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I, I'm pretty professional at work. Okay. <laughs> all right, so... Um, I definitely have other things that I kind of printed off and was gonna gonna touch on, but I definitely want to get to the meat of today's podcast, and that is the RNC last week. So, um, whether or not you're you are with or or not with the Republican Party, just your thoughts on uh, Trump and his speech and, and his choice for VP and uh, the. Uh, his wife's speech and I'm sure everybody's got some thoughts on that stuff and we'll start uh, we'll start safe and work up uh, Mike Pence what are we thinking about Mike Pence I personally I do suppose if you had to choose on the Republican side uh, anybody to, to, to run with Trump uh, this is Probably the safest pick he probably could have picked. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Griffin? Uh, I know he tried to get John Kasich, and Kasich turned him down, who I thought would have been an infinitely better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Just because he is much more adept at steering legislation through and things like that. And honestly, the only reason on earth I would ever even consider voting for Trump is because I don't want legislation to ever get through. I like it when the government does nothing. And so I, I'm a big fan of gridlock. I love it. And so I hope it's four years of nothingness. And then, you know, we go on to somebody else who does nothing. But um, I don't know. I, I thought that the whole thing was kind of a circus act. It was 
very poorly orchestrated for a TV spectacle from a guy who is on TV all the all time. All the time. So yeah. that was a little bit weird. But to be honest, I think you're going to see the same thing this week in yeah. the Democrats. I think it's going to be just an absolute shit show with the Bernie Sanders people. And now you have Debbie Washington Schultz and everything she did to rig, you know, kind of help Hillary out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, just, you have two hyper-divided parties. And so it's just going to be a clown show all the way around. Yeah, I thought that that was interesting that... Uh, that she's still gonna she's still gonna open and close. Well, she we'll because she's still the head of the DNC. They can't she, take her out. Right. They she actually came out today when they were gonna do some of that, and she kind of took a step back because she was getting booed. Like there were a lot of boos this morning for her. Um, she's supposed to gavel in and gavel out, right. and somebody else is running the rest of it. It's the interim uh, chair person. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Donna Brazil. Yep. Is, uh, Gonna be in it. Who's actually great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Donna. I've, I've, I've seen her on a lot of shows. Uh, sharp lady. She's phenomenal on election night coverage. I don't know. She's usually very mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. very astute. I don't know a lot about Pence yet. Um, I just, what I've seen, and it's just very awkward. So, awkwardness. One of the big things for pulling Pence in, one is he's a religious guy, so you're gonna be able to speak to the uh, the Christian conservatives were able to pull them in. Also, he is also out of the state of Ohio, which is a battleground state. Mm-hmm. So that's another way of them basically being able to capture that state, uh, which is uh, exactly Indiana. 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 That's right, Indiana. Which is you know not the same state reason for yeah. right. Like but he's yeah. He, but he's kind of mm-hmm. in that that arena. So it's one of those guys that they brought in to be able to gather to gather the guys who are a little bit further on the right. So that's what it is. That he's a safer guy. You know, a little bit softer spoken, a little bit less um, stuff in his closet. So, you know, he's just kind of, he's, he's, the, he's literally VP. He's just a guy who's there. But, again, he is a guy that knows politics and knows how to get things done. And that's why, again, that's not Trump's strong suit. So that's what he needs is he needs that person who can sit down and say, he's going to say, okay, I want to do this. But you also need somebody who can to say, here's how you get it done, because the way you want to get it done or the way you're used to getting things done in business well, and, doesn't work and in, the VPs in work with Congress more than the presidents do anyway. So. Well, the president can't make a law. They, right. All they can do is vote on mm-hmm. the law. Vote so they, yeah. they don't get any say in that yeah. anyway. And your VP is the president of the, uh, is the House. Of the House. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. the president of the House. He's the liaison. Yeah. 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 He's also the tiebreaker. He's the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody on this side of the table? Now jump in before we go to our next person of interest. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't Trump say he wanted him in charge of foreign and domestic policy? Uh, yes, that, that was case of case. Actually, offered case of which is ridiculous to begin with because that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. <laughs> All right. All right. Does anybody remember Johnny Quest? Sure. Yeah. Doesn't he look like Ray Spannon? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it came to me, you know. Maybe he can get Haji to come in and do some magic and stuff, you know. <laughs> no, but but I, I think he, he he's a he was a governor. He was he was in you know in the Congress, and he he definitely I think Sean makes the right point in saying that Trump needs that guy behind him, yeah. and I think he's a lot better guy than Cheney was with Bush. Cheney was an evil man in a lot of ways. Don't I don't, don't think Pence is an evil man. I think Pence is a man that is a person who will want to try to do the country right. And I don't think that Trump wants to do the country wrong. I just 
these these are some very yeah, interesting and difficult <laughs> choices that we're we're sitting on right now, and yeah. so it's uh, you know you got to decide what you're going to stomach. But be careful with with Cheney though, because when Cheney was named VP for uh, George Bush, one of the things everybody in the media, whether it was Fox or MSN, all they said was that the great thing about Cheney is he was more nuanced than Bush was, and everybody thought that that was a good pick for Bush. So nobody really had it out too much for Cheney until, you know, two, three years into the presidency, and then it was like, Well, okay. they didn't know how, how yeah. it was going to end up. Right. Well, yeah. now, that's, and that's, that's my problem, is that with Cheney was that he was part of the, the, the generation and type of thinker that war is fought to make money. Yeah. And instead of fighting a war to win a war. To win. I'm not against fighting a war when the war is just and needs to be won. Right. But but this this is about the industrial complex and the money. And these are the problems that I had I had with him as uh, overall. I think he had some good points. I don't mean to call him totally evil, but you know, he, he was definitely part uh, of the I mean to call him totally evil. I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to say <laughs> I think he was completely evil, but, but he is also not in office anymore, and thank goodness for it. I, I would argue it's a little bit short-sighted if you look back at the Gulf War and how quickly we won the first one and got out of there and nobody stuck around for years and years and years. They yanked them out, you know, and I think both Rumsfeld and Cheney were very good at, at exercising massive military power, overwhelming force, winning very quickly. I think the problem they did not anticipate was how hard it was going to be to reconstruct mm -hmm. Iraq when you have three different warring factions who hate each other. Well, the same the thing you see in Yugoslavia yeah. that then dissolved under uh, Clinton. And so He's been nobody, the opposite. Nobody gets on Clinton. Right. You know, and Clinton didn't even go to the UN. He went to NATO. Because yep. he knew he would be vetoed at the UN. So it's just you gotta be fair across the board on these things when you start throwing those bombs. I mean there's Which is one which is actually one of the reasons that I like having uh, Chris on the panel because he, he has a, such a long historic memory that uh, that uh, yeah I'm about to say because no. because <laughs> be, you know because I I admit as knowledgeable as I try to be uh, you know I def my feelings on things definitely uh, color my historical knowledge you know sometimes that's a good way to put it uh, so. Um, Let's move off of Pence and uh, let's get on to the uh, the Melania Trump speech. I get on her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure you, you're talking you, about. I, no, I'm, I'm sure you will, Sean. When we're talking about the speech, right? And once again, you should say that in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I object. Uh, I just thought it was. I just thought it was interesting that, uh, like, one, how many days it went on with. You know who's claiming responsibility for the writing of the speech, and right. you know when instead of just saying my my bad, you know like you know we obviously went to some great first lady speeches, and we pulled some pieces out that we thought fit what I was feeling, right. but you know I I just didn't even think that. You know the uh, that the sizable chunk that I took from uh, Michelle Obama's speech was that recent, and uh, but but I still feel this way. You know, it was the the whole 
you know, well, she didn't write it. Well, I did write it. Well, you know, this this person's gonna get fired. Right. Well, they're not gonna get fired. Yeah. I'm just like, what do you on, feel is disingenuous? No, I don't know if I well plagiarism and disingenuous. Yeah, well, that's, I just that's the I, how, but how do you know it wasn't her? They didn't fix her words. She didn't write something and they they made it pretty. They literally took somebody else's words and put them in her mouth, which right. which has been done time and time again. So yeah. how do you know if it's disingenuous? Well, well, you don't. Creative, but I, I love when people yeah. get caught on it. Biden's been caught on it several times. I mean, yeah. a ton of people have been caught on it. It's just, my God, well, on the biggest stage in the world. I think that was my thing. Like, it's such a huge stage. Well, they said leading up to it, she wrote the speech herself. And then it came out, right. she's saying it, and she didn't. So a woman whose first language is not English decided to write her own speech right. in front of the biggest audience, you know, yeah. in the world. Yeah. But, but isn't that politics? Yeah. Well, it didn't have bottom line politics. They're going. They're going to say that they did it themselves. Right. I mean, you know, good and well that they had a speechwriter. Speech writer. Every I'm everything is vetted. Well, what you're going to say and speak up there. Yes, right. and I, I'm kind of with Mario though. I'm like, how many days did it really have to go on before you were just like, sorry? Right. Well, yeah. I'm just. I. I don't look. People make mistakes all the time. Like you say, this is not the first time somebody's had. Uh, excerpts of other speeches found in their speeches but I guess which I guess gets me back to what we were talking about earlier just at a certain point you know haven't we learned enough as a society to just say you know what my bad I you know I I feel this way but you know Michelle said it really well and uh, I just want to double down on that sentiment Right. You know, instead of, you know, and, and maybe, uh, I, I think, like I said, because we're so hyper-divided, and, and, and as we're hyper-divided as a nation and hyper-divided within the parties, like nobody wants to, which we kind of talked about a couple podcasts ago, nobody wants to lose that game of inches, right. you know? And, you know, if you give an inch, then you feel like you've given away five miles when really you gave away a centimeter. Let's be honest. What vote did she lose for him? No, no. She didn't lose a yeah, well, no, no, no. It's a big deal. She could have handled it however she wanted and wouldn't have lost a single vote right. either way. I agree. The Republicans didn't care. And the Democrats gives them a little bit to talk about for a little while. And they mm-hmm. right. story, but nobody gives a crap. And I bet you, I bet you literally two-thirds of this country didn't even know what happened. Right. Sitting here right now, I bet you they didn't know it. Well, now the thing is, how is Michelle going to respond to that when she speaks at the convention? She'll make a funny line about it, mm-hmm. and she'll go on and, and, and which speech. is kind of what I'm mm-hmm. thinking is going to happen. I think that's the problem is the you know the Democratic side's going to all look at it and so go see, see, I told you, look how bad they are. I mean, the, the only people that are really caring are the ones that are on the other side that are trying to find issues. Well, if you have the people on the Democratic side right now pointing at. Uh, Hillary and Debbie Washington Schultz and saying, look how bad they are. Right, yeah, And that's within their own party. I'm not mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's, it's just a nonsense yeah. thing. Well, okay. it's, you know, exactly. it's a very it's split just, The fact is, you're not changing minds, right? Right. At this point, it's... All elections are decided by 5% of undecided voters. And it's usually within the first, like, last two weeks, right before the vote anyways. Yep. Um, you know, kind of going talking about what we were just talking about is... Nobody decided on who's going to be the president based off the first lady, let alone the vice president. I mean, I think it's like the vice president only actually brings in 1% of a vote to that guy. So to me, it's just, a, uh, again, going back to the news cycle, you have to fill that news cycle, and this is something we could talk about. The other thing is 
I don't think anybody should ever be shocked that a president or anybody within his staff has a speechwriter. They all have speechwriters. Yeah. That's just a thing of it. Now, this speechwriter, actually, she did come out and say that she went to resign, and the Trump organization actually declined her resignation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they asked him yeah. about it. And, you know, and, and then the thing is, you know, to what you're saying is, you got to feel bad for a lady whose English is not her first language. She un she knows five languages, and I guarantee English was probably one of the last ones she ever learned based off of where she lives right. um, on that kind of stuff. So it's got to be really nerve-wracking when you're on the largest stage. You're promoting your husband to the most powerful job in the United States, and you're in front of a bunch of people you don't know, and you're speaking a language you don't know very well. I kind of feel bad for her in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, now, there was another guy who actually studies speeches, one of the things he sat down and he said was he went and he studied the speeches. Some of the things that Michelle Obama said that this young lady said, well, Bob Dole's wife said it. Darren hit, hit accept the speech for her husband. Yeah. So, it, But nobody brings that up because, again, you're going even further back. You're also going back in a time where we didn't have the Internet, we didn't have the news cycle. So it's not right there. I mean, he had to pull – he actually had to pull um, the, the transcripts of the speech. Like right. you, you couldn't go out and find it. Right, right, so right. It's, it's one of those things where it's like everybody – uses the same thing when they're talking about their husband. So it's not ungenuine for me to sit there and say, you know, my wife is one of the most caring and honest women that I know. I mean, it would be something else if she came out and said, my husband's a real sleaze bad guys. Like, really? <laughs> you need to think twice about voting for this dude. Okay, how many wives has he had? And I probably won't be here after, you know, his... If he serves one, two terms of president, I'll probably be out and there'll be another skinny blonde in my place, you know, eight years from now. You know, it so. was just the exactness of the language. I mean, right. it, yeah, there, there I think that's really effort. what it is. There wasn't an effort to make it personal or oh no, absolutely that. not. It was just a copy. And beyond that, I well, think so. one of the other things that people are not talking about is how phenomenal Ivanka Trump was. Well, she yeah. was tremendous yeah. on Thursday, and I think made up for a lot of yeah, what I, happened on Monday. This, this may get to podcast castle, but I am not a fan of of, of Trump. Anything Trump. Not a fan of the kid. Now I will say this: as far as on a professionalism level, um, Ivanka's Ivanka's as polished as I've ever seen a human She's being. Great, but, um, but I am not a huge fan of the, those kids. They just, they just. There's something about them, and there's something about them all that comes across wildly disingenuous to me and I don't know what it is like Chelsea's three million dollar salary from I, the Clinton you know what Foundation. I can, I can, I can yeah, what, yeah. I was going to say I could probably put one on there too <laughs> I, no you know what I'm not saying that that does seem genuine either but it's just something what about the, they, yeah it's just something about the that, Trump actually, kids they, they, they just all seem like they all seem like salesmen all right, well, to me well they kind of are I'm going to go with I, I think one of the most important things you do when you're trying to judge a person, is you got to put yourself in their shoes, and that's a difficult thing to do sometimes. You got to think about how these kids grew up, with with Trump as their daddy, entered several divorces, several wives, and and Abana as, as as the first wife, who was a pretty strong personality in her own right. You're raised in a different way. You're raised in a different atmosphere. Um, I think the one thing that came out of it said that you no. Know, Rather, they did or didn't. They all said that they worked through the system. They worked in their father's business. He made them go to work. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think it's hard for us to turn around and try to understand that they come from a certain elitism. 
And that elitism is, is a little hard for us to see through to see if there's you know, really a genuine person there or are we just seeing the elitism, elitism of it. Am I kind of hearing your point, Sean? Is that kind of what you want? Well, I was going, I was, I was, it was kind of around that way, kind of like what you're talking about, you know, they worked for their dad, they did this. And, and think about this, Donald Trump's able to put buildings up in New York City faster than most people. That means you have to know how to work the system. You know how to work those types of people. You have to know how to make those kinds of things happen. And a lot of times when that happens in business, especially as fast as they move it through, it's not exactly always the correct way of doing it, but it's getting it done. Well, so it's finding a way to get it done. And I being think a contract, that's kind of the, their behavior. What were, you, what were you about to say, Brian? I, I just thought your comment on, on you know, the elitism is really interesting just in the sense that you know, these kids are going to work and their last name is on the front of the building. And, and I think that's interesting. There, there's, a, there's something to that, that that creates a certain character. And as a contractor, to get to Sean's point, there is a ton of ego in a contractor. And, and the best contractors, I mean, Trump's had some massive failures, but he's always bounced back from the failures. He's learned from them, and he's lost money and made money so many times over. He's doing it on at this huge scale, which is no different than the smaller scale that myself and my general contractor work on. We all have the ability to make some money. Lord, I know we can lose it just as fast. I've been there. All right? And so it's, it, it is just this, this thing out there and this, this ego and this thing that you have to do that you are successful. And the bottom line is, as far as a businessman goes, whether you like him or not, whether you like his brashness or not, he's able to make things happen. Now, I will say, that kind of actually gets back to uh, last podcast we were talking about uh, when we were playing uh, uh, Finish the Sentence. So, yeah. And uh, one, of the, one of the sentences to finish is a millionaire. And, uh, and uh, you were saying that a millionaire is a frustrated billionaire. But there's a, there's a certain mentality of a person who wants to make a million dollars. Sure. Because cause when they get it, then they want 10. And when they get 10, they want 100. And when they get 100, they want a billion. And, and uh, but I think coupling that with you are already born into a few of those million, um, then that's when you get the kind of the elitism thing, which actually pivots me to um, the next thing. Trump and uh, the 75 minute apocalyptic speech that he gave because uh, it, it, it was it was in 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 my in my view just a, a very uh, and I don't think it was in his view like I, and I will give him that I think he may have felt like what he was saying was uplifting but it it but the entire speech felt really dark and heavy like and uh and and so i was curious about what uh what the panel thought about that i'm gonna start with you with chris only because i know uh you've got to leave us sooner than later so yeah i i thought i think you give these speeches for what your specific audience wants to hear it's not about appealing to the mass of America. He wasn't going to change your mind regardless of what he said. Uh, so I believe that you give your rabid fan base, and they are reasonably rabid when it comes to Trump, exactly what they want. And so I think for who he is trying to appeal to, he nailed it. Um, 
is it my kind of speech? Not particularly, because I'm not a huge fan of all of his politics, but that being said, I think it was, it was a perfectly well-crafted speech for the audience that he was delivering it to, and I went, it went well for him. And again, you're only, all you were trying to do is sway 5% of America to like you, and I think he's got a reasonable chance for a couple of reasons. I think Gary Johnson's going to steal a lot of votes you know, from somebody. I think the Green Party is going to steal a lot of votes from Hillary. Um, yeah. And I, now I think you have a bunch of uh, disaffected Bernie Sanders voters who think the entire thing is rigged anyway, and that gives you a fighting chance. That within that margin, you can find the five percent pretty easily. And again, remember, Bill Clinton won both times without ever reaching a majority. True. You know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking. We were looking at. Uh, uh, Might have been a couple of weeks ago. We were looking at. Uh, at a Bill Maher show, and, uh, and no matter what you think of him personally or or, or his work, um, I thought that the most interesting comment of the whole night was actually from Michael Moore, and um, because you know the audience that goes to the Bill Maher show is, is generally a more of a liberal audience, and they're just gonna boo anything that sound that even rhymes with Trump. But Michael Moore said. I think, I think we're, uh, I think we're selling the situation short. It is very likely, not, not, yeah, yeah, it might, it could happen. No, it's very likely that he could become president. Sure. Yeah. So, don't write it off. Like if you're actually passionate about him not getting an office. Um, You've got you've got to make a stand somewhere, and because I think I think the the conversation started with, which actually pivots to another thing that I was going to talk about was the, um, the people who are so Bernie, you know that they that they don't want to now the way that the Republicans have said okay our our guy is out uh, obviously except for maybe the Ted Cruz people who uh, who. Uh, who, who wanted to hold on to a little bit of that sure. during the convention, but um, there's a lot of Bernie people who are not willing to let it go and say, okay, we'll go with the party because they really wanted their guy. Right. Well, he's in a tough spot. Was he do backtrack and support her? I mean, like, I think you technically support her, but you have he to did support, support her, he, yeah, though. Yeah, I, 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 no, no, no. But I know, very, what, but I know very, what you're saying. Very tepidly supported. Oh, yeah. In mm-hmm. fact, he said Tim King would never have been my choice. I wanted Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. He said a million things that kind of like keep his brand of kind of gonna half-ass support you because like I got to do it. Because I got to do it. But we all know that nobody really wants you there. And besides that, I think most people are exceptionally lukewarm on Hillary. She's a lot of people who hate her, and the people who like her are fairly lukewarm. You know, so I think voter turnout will be uh, minimal in this election. This isn't like the last two. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of people stay at home and not vote, and that gives Trump a pretty good chance. And that does yeah. give Trump a pretty good chance. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you look like you were finished. No, I just think that uh, as much as, you know, I'm, I'm not pro-Trump or pro-Hillary, but I think Trump is, like, very entertaining. He's you know, fun. <laughs> he's just fun to look at. <laughs> he just look. I mean, it, it, as ridiculous as he may look or sound, he's just entertaining. People like that, and people like <laughs> to be entertained. Right. But that is the, re- that's like the reason. That's the reason that. Uh, that's the reason uh, with uh, the anonymous female's brother just coming back from 
from Italy, uh, you know, we were looking at their pictures they took in the Colosseum. Uh, but that was the reason that they built them. It was to entertain the mob. Yep. And uh, he knows how to entertain the mob. He just he does. does. But, but the interesting thing about Trump is that the one thing the Republican Party has always tried to do is really entertain the evangelicals. They want to bring the evangelicals in. And the evangelicals have gotten too radical. They've gotten way too off course in what was, is overall best for the country and how you have to find ways to hit middle grounds. Trump is, I don't think he's an atheist, but, I don't, but he's certainly not an evangelical. No. Well, I believe he said he's a religious man, I think. Oh, well, well, yeah, I would yeah. say. I would say yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to remember as a Republican and not say that. Yeah, right, right, I, I would right. think that I would think that man that that the man is probably, like I said, has has some feelings about God and believes in God. I don't think he's not that. But on the other hand, he doesn't worry about them. He doesn't worry about if I'm gonna tick you off, it doesn't really matter. Um I, this is what I want to do. This is how I see I need to get it done. I'm not afraid to state my case. And if you like me, you like me. And if you don't, you don't. And that's, you know, it's, that is a little bit refreshing in politics because he really pretty straightforward. He, he doesn't change much. He has changed some. He's made some before the comments have gone back. I will, I will say that piece of what you're saying I agree with about Trump is... Uh, he really doesn't seem to care if you like him or you don't like him. Okay. I, I, oh, I mean, I think he wants to be liked. I think but, in private, yeah. But yeah, I think in private, he wants to be liked. But I think on this political stage, he's like, look, this is what it is from me. Tough face. And if you and either you're going to get on board or you're going to get off. Believe me. And he and he and I think he knows. <laughs> that the base, generally, is going to get on board. I would say two things real quick, and then I really do have to leave. But okay. I would say, one, I disagree. I think he passionately cares if you dislike him I based on the too. number of lawsuits he's filed against people who have said negative things against him. You know what? So he sues okay. everybody and their dog who says anything defamatory <laughs> about them. You yes. are right. You are right on yes. that. Yes. But I think you have the same coalition on both sides. So the evangelical push was started under Ralph Reed when Ronald Reagan was running for president. And up to that point, there was no such thing as religious conservatives. Ralph Reed organized them into a movement. And since then, the Republican Party has been stuck with them, you know, and can't shake them, and that's a horrific thing. But I also say, look at the number of, uh, of African Americans and minorities who literally vote Democrat no matter what, don't study any issues, and just go, no, I'm going to vote Democrat because Republicans don't, don't seem to like them. Like, well, that's not a fair assessment of all the, all the issues in the country. You're just voting, and the evangelicals do the same. They don't care. They would never vote. My mom would never vote Democrat to save her own life. She would just rather just pull the plug on the Republican side or pull the lever or whatever you do, push the button or whatever. I, I think the yeah. best example of what you're saying is uh, Caitlyn Jenner had a tweet, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, where, where she said it was easier to come out as a transgendered woman than it was to come out as a transgendered woman who was Republican. Because within her own community, people were like, you I know, mean, it, yeah, it was like, how could you? Yeah. And it's just like, well, wait a minute, hold on, the two aren't. But in their mind, it's yeah, the two yeah, R's. The the yeah. My best friend, D.W., who was a gay man, yeah. says, I can understand why you won't vote for Hillary, but you can't vote for Trump. <laughs> and I kind of, D.W., you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, 
this this is you, you just can't go out and and throw everybody under the bus because they think something different. And I can understand your passion and I, and I, and I love you to death as my best friend. But, you know, come on, man. You know, you have your place, I have my place, and, and you just can't trash everything. And that's part of the problem, I think, with the Republican Party, that is that there's a certain amount of, of, of media that no matter what, we are, we're haters. We're, we hate everybody, we hate everything, we want to pit everybody down, and we want to repress everybody, and we're not going to collect any taxes, and the company, country's going to turn into this depression area of Armageddon. And I, I just find that a little bit stunning. Really? Really?